The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech, they use no words, no sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. He rises at once, at one end of the heavens, and makes a circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of his warmth. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned. By in keeping them there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Father, as we transition now to your message, I pray, Holy Spirit, that we will not forget why we're here. We're here to do one thing, and that's to honor you and to give glory to your name and to worship you and you alone. Father God, we were born for one purpose, and that's to know our maker, our king, our Lord, our father, our heavenly father, and to be known by you and to have a relationship with you. So God, help us not to get lost in the things of this world with what is happening in our current life, with all the worldly events that's happening around us, oh God. But Lord, let us look to you and be thankful and to be content, but at the same time hungry for your presence today, right now. It doesn't matter what we received last week. It doesn't matter what we received yesterday. For today is a new day that you have given us to hear your word and to worship you. So God, on this new day that you have given us, we bless your name. We bless the name of our Lord, our Father in heaven, who was and is to come, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, who will not change like shifting shadows. So God, we look to you. We pray, God, that you would open up our hearts, open up our ears, to soak up your word like sponge, Father God. So God, when it's squeezed, everything, your holiness, your word, will ooze out of us, oh God, and that we reflect the glory of God. Sanctify us each day. Help us to realize and to know that we have a new and a regenerated heart, oh God. So with that, we look to you, Father. We worship you. We put our emotions aside, and we choose today to worship the Father. We thank you. We love you. Pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, I pray. God's people pray. Amen. And amen. The Philippians series, and today is part three, and the title is called, Is Your Life Worthy? Of the gospel, worthy of the gospel. It's a question. Is your life worthy of the gospel? And I want you to answer this question in your heart. Is your life worthy 
of the gospel. Let's begin with the scripture. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27 to verse 30. It says this, that whatever happens in other translation, in NLT translation, it says, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven. But it says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. I'll say it again. Conduct yourselves, conduct your life right now, Jerry. Conduct your life, Ronnie. Conduct your life, Andy. Conduct your life, yourselves, in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So again, the question, is your life worthy of the gospel? Continues on, it says, Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, which means one mind, Striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Verse 28, without being frightened in any way by those, it's talking about enemies, opponents, whoever opposes or attacks you, it doesn't matter. Whether you have many enemies or little enemies who oppose you, this is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Point number one is this. Behave in a manner worthy of Christ. Turn to your neighbor and please, let's tell them, behave in a manner <coughs> worthy of Christ. Behave in a manner worthy of Christ. Christ. Let's take a look at verse 27 real quick. Once again, going back. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. It's saying, live a life that is worthy of the gospel. Live a life that is worthy of the gospel. It's saying conduct, behave, live in such a way. Conduct your life in a manner worthy of Christ. Because Christ is the gospel. That's the good news. Live your life in a manner worthy of Christ. Then what's the problem? As Christians, we go through so much fighting amongst each other, one another in the church. We waste our energy. Are you forgetting that we have a common enemy? The common enemy that we have is the devil. Don't you know that we have, as a church, that we have a common purpose? Who, wh what is our common purpose? That's Jesus Christ. We have a common enemy, and we have a common purpose. Our goal is clear, but we are so busy fighting amongst each other. We're not behaving in a manner worthy of Christ. We have a common enemy, the devil, influencing people, their minds, their actions and the sin, the evil as human beings that we have. Everything put together in this broken world, we see that people, when they're left alone, the sin, it mutates, it turns into something worse. At church, in front of church, in front of people, we can act a certain way, but at home, we live the secret, dark, secret life that we have that no one knows about, and we think that's okay. Is your life, is your life a life that is worthy of the gospel? Are you conducting your life in a manner worthy of Christ? If you have a common enemy, if you have a common purpose, 
then it's not that difficult. Then we strive together. We fight the same enemy. Therefore, we must have each other's backs in Christ. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, on the screen, it says this, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. The scripture goes on and on, living a life worthy of the calling. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 10, it says, So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord, worthy of Jesus Christ, and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Doing good work and growing in the knowledge, in your understanding of the scripture. It's not just about you having knowledge, but it's about you putting it out. Then we become spiritually obese. If we're all, all, all we're doing is putting in calories to our bodies, if there's no putting out the work and, and exercising and putting the work of the gospel, then all we're doing is feeding ourselves and we become proud in our knowledge. But what's the point of having knowledge when there's no action, when there's no faith? Live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way. Bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Titus chapter 2 verse 12, it says this, that it teaches us to say no, no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Do you know what age you're living in, this present age? With our friends, people that we know, all the stuff that's happening, how people are handling relationships. We live in such a broken world. It's actually getting worse because of the technology, with media, and all the things, internet, everything, it teaches us to have a double life even more. It makes us full of ourselves where we just continue to do selfies and we're so full of the self, instant gratification. But it teaches us, it says in Titus 2, no, no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live a self-controlled, upright, and godly lives, which falls under Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit, being self-controlled. So we understand that the scripture is saying to live, to behave in a manner worthy of Christ. It's saying no to ungodliness. It's being self-controlled. Is living a life worthy of the calling. Live a life worthy of the Lord. Living a godly life. It's clear. 2 Peter 3.11. What kind of people are you to live? Peter's asking the people, how should you live? Peter says in 2 Peter 3.11, says, you ought to live holy and godly lives. Holy and godly lives. 2 Peter 3.14, it says, make every effort to be found spotless Blameless. Now in the future, when we are done with the Philippian series, but once we're all done with all this, once Lent and Easter, everything's finished, we're going to dive into, uh, specifically, we're going to talk about topics like men and women and just the things that we are called to do, how to live in holiness. We're going to talk about dating. We're going to talk about relationships. We're going to talk about how as men that we can live a holy life and for women how we can live a godly life but just briefly let's just talk about in the topic of behave in a manner in the point of behave in a manner worthy of christ let's talk about the men real quick men can you raise your hand now men let's talk about the men real quick 
First Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13 to 14, it says this. It says, be on the alert. Alert means guard. Guard. Turn to your neighbor and say guard. Be alert. It says to the men, stand firm in the faith. It says, be men of courage. Turn to your neighbor and say, be men of courage. <laughs> Don't say to the ladies. <laughs> Angela said it to Hishi. Hishi said it to Sarah. <laughs> Be men of courage. Be men of courage. I'm talking to the guys. Yes, guys. That's why you got to step up. Act like men. It's saying act like men. Be brave. It's saying be courageous. It's saying be strong. Do everything in love. You have the skew view that men, that when they're aggressive, that they're somehow strong. When they somehow, they don't cry, that they're somehow strong and they're macho. But we need to understand that being aggressive doesn't make you strong. Strength comes from your trust and your confidence in the Lord. Confidence and strength comes knowing who you are, your identity in God. It has nothing to do with your personality, how loud you are. In fact, the louder you bark, the more insecure you really are because you're trying to cover up your insecurities. But if you're truly secure in who you are, then even in secret, even when no one is watching, even in a relationship, when you're in a dating relationship, you're able to act like men. Be men of courage. It's saying be brave, be courageous, be strong. And it says in verse 14, do everything in love. We don't do things out of selfish gain. When we're in a dating relationship, we don't go and we for our own selfish lust. We go to fulfill our lust. We use another body to fulfill our lust. That's not love, that's lust. Lust is not love. True love is about honoring the person, honoring yourself. Know your worth. Know who you are. Be men of courage. Stand firm in the faith. Be on, be on the alert. Be on guard. Do the right thing, even when everyone is telling you to do it the worldly way. Even when everyone is saying, do it this way. When you're in a dating relationship, do it this way. It's okay to have sex before marriage. It's okay to go ahead and dive into these activities. It's fine. Even in the church, even pastors, even people, Christians, congregation members, anybody. We are up here, praise team, doing what we want, what we show before God. And in the secret, we have this hidden life do not be shady in dating before you date be accountable to the right leader to right friends if you're hanging out with friends and in a sense they're clowns where they talk about dating this woman doing this doing that then you have wrong circle of friends show me your friends and it will show you your future like mind will attract like-minded people Therefore, you must surround yourself with godly leaders, godly people who are older than you, who, that you can learn to seek help and to ask from those who came before you. Learn from their experiences. Learn from their failures so that you don't have to make the same mistakes, so that you can do it better, so that you can teach for the next generation from those who come after you. Learn from those who came before you so that you can teach those who come after you. And we see that in a relationship setting. And we're going to talk about this. We're going to eventually have sermon topics on this. But we see that right now, 
this dating thing that's happening, it's getting out of control. The topics and the things that you read on the news, on BuzzFeed News, it's about this woman named Carter. Asked Roy when he was going to kill himself more than 40 times. Prosecutor said, if you don't do it now, you're never gonna do it. Carter wrote in one text to Roy. People who commit suicide don't think this much. They just do it. She said in another text, Roy, who had a history of mental illness and had previously tried to kill himself, died by suicide in his truck outside of Kmart in Fairhaven, Massachusetts on July 12, 2014. CBS News, it says, after she convinced him to get back into the carbon monoxide filled truck, she did absolutely nothing to help him. She did not call for help or tell him to get out of the truck as she listened to him choke and die, just as Scott Kafker wrote in the state Supreme Judicial Court's decision, the Associated Press reports. Another story, New York Times, in all cap, the message read, like one long outpouring of rage, she asked him to do everything, to do everyone a favor and go kill himself, repeatedly called him worthless, threatened to harm herself if he did not do what she wanted. You can't figure it out? You want to make me live it again? You want me to slash my throat? Is that what you want? The young woman in young you demanded this is a different person, demanded in a text at 1.25 p.m. on May 18th. According to court documents, two days later, her boyfriend, Alexander Urtula, 22, killed himself by jumping from the roof of a parking garage in the Roxbury neighborhood of Boston. On the day of his graduation, both were students at Boston College. The case has raised questions about the role of one person's words or actions in another person's suicide, about youthful relationships that unspool in mind-boggling numbers of text messages, and about the use of those messages in a criminal prosecution. And we see that people don't know how to handle relationships. We are not mentally ready. We try to figure things out in our own way, in the way that we learn from movies and TV shows. And then in turn, it becomes a disaster. And men, they don't know. They don't know how to lead. They don't know how to deal with a relationship. And therefore, you don't only bring yourself down, but you end up bringing a partner that has a dangerous mind as you and you end up destroying each other, not just yourself, but each other. Having sex before marriage. Things that we get into. Things that we don't talk about in the church. Talking about women in vulgar and inappropriate sexual ways with friends. As men, exploiting the weak the vulnerable, being a bully. These are things that men, we are not called to do. And these are things that we need to learn. And we need to allow the Spirit of God to teach us to transform our ways. Amen? For we do not conform to the ways of this world. I mean, how sad is this, 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 this two story of this lady, you and Carter, both in Massachusetts, by the way, not saying anything about Massachusetts. But this is crazy. Over and over, text message saying, just do it. You know, you can't figure it out, just do it. You want to slash my throat. Things that we say, the dangerous words. 
which leads into the next topic, the women. Ladies, <laughs> lift up your hands. Come on, be proud. Let's go ahead and read 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8 to 10. It says, Therefore, I want the men everywhere to pray, lifting holy hands without anger or disputing. First of all, this addresses the men, right? To lift up their hands, holy hands, without anger or disputing. Verse 9, it goes into specifics to the ladies. Now it says, I also want the women to dress modestly with decency, propriety, adorning themselves not with elaborate hairstyles or gold or pearls or expensive clothes, but with good deeds appropriate for women who profess to worship God. Let's keep going. First Peter chapter 3, verse 3 to 4. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Now, are we saying that ladies should not be wearing jewelry? Are we saying that, you know, we can't wear nice things? No. But if that becomes who you are, if that becomes your foundation, and if you're using your beauty in a way, in the way that we dress to review ourselves in a way where you are not living a life that is worthy in the manner that will honor Christ, honor your body and your self-worth, Self-worth comes from your identity as a daughter of God. Your beauty should, should come from inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth. That is more, that is greater than the worth that you have, the, the money and the jewelry that we have, that we wear, that we try to cover ourselves with inappropriate things. Titus chapter 2, verse 3 says, Likewise, teach the older woman to be reverent, in the way they live, not to be slanderous or addicted to too much wine, but to teach what is good. So what is it saying here? As ladies, you are called to teach what is good to the younger women so that they can live a life that is worthy in the manner, in the worthy of the gospel of Christ. Teach what is good. Proverbs 31, verse 25 to 26. Strength and dignity are her clothing. It's who she is. It's her identity. And she laughs at the time to come. I remember when the Philippines, Samonim, uh, uh, Agnes Samonim, and, and other uh, Filipinos, they were sharing that there are so many times where there are floods and storms, and, and they smile. They say they smile, they laugh in the midst of the storm. But it says here in Proverbs 31, the strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Okay, we're just barely scratching the surface, but I'm excited to do this, right, with the men, the women, the preview for what's to come. And then third, third category, for others, for the sake of, of others. Why should we live a life that is worthy of the gospel? Why should we behave in a manner worthy of Christ? It's for the sake of others. It's for others. 
First Peter chapter 2, verse 12, it says, Live such good lives among the pagans, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Live such good lives, even among pagans, even those who are not in the same faith, same belief as you, so that they may not accuse you, so that they cannot accuse you of doing something wrong. That they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Colossians 4, 5, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity. Be wise in the way we act toward outsiders. Yesterday we were hiking. We stopped by for coffee. It started snowing. It was beautiful. Matt and Lisa, they came from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. They're like, oh, having coffee? I was like, yes, would you like one? We have an extra cup. We did have an extra cup, but somebody, no, I'm kidding. And then we offered it to him, and then I was wearing the deep blue shirt with the cross, and, and he's like, oh, are you guys part of a youth group? I was like, nope, they look young, but, you know, I didn't say we're young adults, but I was like, I was like yes, we're part of a church, and he was drinking the coffee, he said the coffee was really good, but we act in a, in a way that is worthy, and we behave and we live a life worthy in the manner, in the gospel of Christ. For Christ, everything that we do, from the big things to the small things, such as small things like, hey, would you like some coffee? Simple act as this, we see that we are, and they, and they said that they go to church, and the conversation, I mean, it wasn't a deep conversation, but it was nice to see and hear. He said three hours away, and it was encouraging, right? It was pretty cool to see. It was a cool experience. My point is, you never know what could happen. So in every opportunity, whether you're in a restaurant, or how you treat the waiter, or how you act, and how you drive, how you, what you speak, how you walk, and the way that the things that we do, everything we do, every opportunity, we must, act, we must be wise in the way we, we act toward outsiders. Why? Because you are representing Christ. Because you are a Christian. So live a life that is worthy of the gospel. Live a life that is worthy of the gospel. Let's take a look at verse 27. Stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Making sure that there are no divisions in the church. Right, 1 Corinthians 1.10 says, No divisions among you, that you must be united in mind and conviction. So again, behave in a manner worthy of Christ. Behave in a manner worthy of Jesus Christ. Men, you are called to step up, to have courage. Ladies, we are called to talk with wisdom, with love, with gentleness, teaching others, not of the outward appearance, but the beauty of the inner, the identity that you have in God, in Christ. Why? For the sake of others. For the sake of others. Because people are watching. And you, and you represent the truth. Number two. You will have enemies when in Christ. You will have enemies when in Christ. Verse 28. It says this, without being frightened in any way by those, meaning enemies, opponents who oppose you, this is a sign to them that they will be destroyed. 
but that you will be saved and that by God, and that by God is teaching us that you will have opponents, that you will have opposition, and that you will have enemies. Philippians chapter 3, 19 tells us this, for as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. Who are your enemies? Your enemies are those who oppose your faith, who you are, your identity, everything that you are, everything that you worship, who you are as a person, as a child of God, in any way by those who oppose you. Do not be afraid. Do not be frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Because Jesus tells us that even he himself, he himself was hated. Matthew 10, says, You will be hated by everyone because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Your enemies will try to destroy you. The devil will influence the enemy to attack you. But you have to be strong. Stand firm, and you will be saved. And you will be saved. Matthew 24, 9, Then you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you'll be hated by all nations because of me. John 15, 18, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. Luke 21 even says that you will be betrayed even by parents, brothers, and sisters, relatives, and friends, and they will they will put some of you to death. Everyone will hate you because of me. But not a hair of your head will perish. Stand firm and you will win life. So when attacked, when attacked by enemies, men and women of God, remember this. Remember this. That God is just and he will pay back trouble to those who trouble you. God will repay the wicked for their evil ways. God will handle all matters. God will handle everything. He will take care of all the rest. All you need to do is be faithful and show love and love and love. Romans 12, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's turn to our friends, the persons who are next, sitting next to us. Repeat after me. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It is mine to avenge, I will repay. In due time, their foot will slip. The day of disaster is near, and their doom rushes upon them. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 25. God is reminding the people. God is reminding the people that he will take care of your enemies. If you had a lot of enemies in the past, or maybe you have some enemies now, people who are attacking you, opposing you, attacking your character, your walk with God, or have attacked your family, all you need to do is let it go and allow God to do the rest. Know that God is in control. Know that God saw everything, and he will take care of all of your enemies. Look to him. He will take care of all the rest. So here it's reminding us, is your life worthy of the gospel? That you will have enemies when in Christ. 
When you're in Christ, you will have enemies, and you must expect them. As Christians, we will be attacked. That's my point. You will have people who will oppose you, even your family. I want you to think about your mom. I want you to think about your dad. I want you to think about your brother. I want you to think about your sister, the people that you love the most, your best friends, people. Even then, we must stand strong in God and expect it. For you are living a different life. You're walking a different path, a path that they're not understanding. They're not going to understand. For they're not in the same mind as you. You will have enemies when in Christ. You will. You will. You will. You'll be betrayed even by parents, brothers and sisters, relatives and friends. And they will put some of you to death. Everyone will hate you because of me but not a hair of your head will perish. Stand firm, and you will win life. Luke chapter 21, verse 16 to 19. Last point number three. You will suffer for Christ. Turn to your neighbor and please say, you will suffer for Christ. Verse 29 to verse 30, it says this. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. In MacArthur commentary, he says the suffering is not to be thought of as evidence that God has forsaken them. That's what Joe's friends were doing. That maybe you did something, that maybe there was a sin that you were committing, Maybe that's why, that's the cause of all the struggle and the suffering that you're going through, Job. But suffering is not to be thought as evidence that God has forsaken them, but evidence that he is with them, that God is perfecting them. If you've gone through struggle in your life and you suffer in your life, know that it's because God is with you. It's because the enemy knows who you are. He knows what you're capable of. Therefore, in suffering, you must rejoice. What does suffering bring to Christians? The question, what does suffering bring to Christians? A, suffering weeds out fake believers. Fake believers will not last in the midst of suffering. They will walk away from the faith because it's too hard. But because their foundation was not found in Christ. Suffering weeds out fake believers. B, suffering builds your faith. It becomes genuine and real. You prove to yourself, you prove to God, you prove to the people and the friends around you that your faith is genuine and real. And suffering builds faith. And there's no other better way for your faith to be built than suffering. I thank God for suffering. Easy to say, but I do. In the end, I know that he will make me pure gold, refiner's fire, to purify me so that I may, be, I may be able to reflect the image of my God, my Lord, Jesus Christ. When we undergo suffering for Christ, our faith, it verifies that your faith is real. Have you had a time in your life where your faith has been tested and you've proved to yourself that your faith is real? I'm not saying when you're, in, when you're with church friends, when there's big community next to you and people are supporting you, Easy then. Even then, a lot of people cannot last. 
there was a time in Korea in my early 20s when I lived there. And that's when, you know, social media wasn't as big. And honestly, literally, I could have just had a whole new identity and lived my life. But I was a youth group teacher before. I went to, I went to Korea and no one saw. And I made a promise to God, God, I quit everything, cold turkey, no drinking, no nonsense, nothing. And since then on, up until now, all these years, consistent. And I'm not saying this to show off, but my point is my faith has been tested. There were times where it got so lonely. Like I would commute to, to church like three hours and, and there was a point where, you know, you're just this new person this new in this country and, and it's kind of crazy too because the apartment that I stayed at was an apartment that I lived when I was in elementary. So it was like an old like, and, and my friend, my childhood friend still lived like two floors down and like I didn't recognize him and he, he asked like, are you Unsung? And I was like, wait, yes? And, and then we, right? And then it's kind of crazy and he went to army and did all that and it was, it was just this nostalgia feeling and I would go on the roof, this green roof that we have and there are times where, you know, I, there are ch I mean, look, I could have gone out, I could have had fun, I could have, there were people and I could have done everything that I wanted where I could have filled my loneliness with things but there were times where I was tested so bad to a point where I'm just trying to live right before God and be praying that God will, you know, send the right people and got connected with, I even went to a Korean service for a little bit and I was like, okay, this isn't going to work. It's a little too much. Yeah, it's like a smaller church. It was my cousin and I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know about this. And eventually I found the EM church and, and eventually everything just worked out. I Meaning I was tested. It was a season where it was just God and I and where no one saw and that was a priceless season that I will never change, switch with any other moment because it was one of the greatest seasons of my life because I proved to myself that when there's temptation, when people go out and there's drinks and there's things and compromise, they say, hey, let's go club here, there, there, there. I proved to myself that my faith was genuine. We all need to go through those seasons. We have to go through these seasons. And this is a special season because I went to Missions China and that's where I got the call to go to seminary and never, the, the rest is history. The blessing of God, the suffering of God, they all fall in the same category. We must rejoice, rejoice. Romans 5, 4 says, not only so, but we also glory. In other words, rejoice. Rejoice in our sufferings. Turn to your neighbor and say rejoice. rejoice. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. And character, hope. James 1 says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work. The key here is to finish. You got to let perseverance finish. You have to persevere to the end. That's my point. But in the process, you're being defined, refined, and sanctified. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. It will be given to you. So you must look to Christ as an example in your suffering. Look to Christ. 
as an example in your suffering. We don't serve a God that says suffer and he's just there <laughs> laughing and watching us. He sent his one and only son, the incarnation of Jesus Christ, to be born as an infant, not to live a royal life, but to live a life of suffering and pain. Ultimately, he was, he was killed. He was killed and he was murdered. Look to Christ as an example in your suffering. It says in 1 Peter 2, 19-25, But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you are called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Look to Christ as an example, for your, as an example in your suffering so that you may be counted worthy in the kingdom of God, in your suffering. These are like little sub-points that I have for myself. I should have put it up on the screen, but like sub-point for number three is, okay, let's just, I'll say it again, just real quick. A, look to Christ as an example, and in parentheses, let's write, in your suffering. Look to Christ as an example, in your suffering, parentheses, in your suffering, and sub-point B, so that you may be counted worthy in the kingdom of God, parentheses, in your suffering. So that you may be counted worthy in the kingdom of God, in parentheses, in your suffering. So that you may be counted worthy. Will you, will you be counted worthy in the kingdom of God, in your suffering? 2 Thessalonians 1, 4 to 8 says this, Therefore, among, church, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith and all the persecutions and trials you are enduring. All this is evidence that God's judgment is right, and we, as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering, so that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for you, for which you are suffering. And last point C is we must go through and endure suffering well for his glory. You must endure suffering well for his glory. Why must you endure suffering well when you go through suffering? For his glory, for God, for God. 1 Peter 4.13 says, But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. What is his glory? His glory is his glory, is who God is. But also we reflect the glory of our Father. So when we endure suffering well, people will see and they will give praise to God's glory because you represent God, and you belong, you are his child. Earthquake. All houses and buildings, they look strong. 
when there are no earthquakes, when there are no shaking. Everything looks good. You and I, we look perfect when we're just eating a hamburger, right? We look happy and we look good. I mean, some people eat not pretty, but you know, we all look good when we're watching TV. We all look good when we're watching movies, when it's easy. Is it really easy to eat a hamburger? Like, eat it, suffering unless you eat like 20. But we understand the suffering. Suffering truly brings out who we are as people of God. Everything looks good and strong when there are no shaking. Remember, adversity doesn't just build character, but it reveals it. And I pray that you and I, that we will come to a place that in our suffering, that we will not always overcome suffering in a sense where we have failures as well. But in the end, we come back and we give glory to God in our suffering because we're human beings. We will fail countless times, but we realize that's why we need a savior. That's why we need someone to come to our rescue. And we understand that suffering is a process. It's not just a one-time event that happened once in your life and that's it. But it's a continuous process that happens over and over and over and over again. So that you may be of greater worth than gold through the refiner's fire. Just with our eyes closed, let us not be distracted by the person sitting next to us. This is just between you and the Lord and your Heavenly Father at this moment. Again, I ask the question, is your life worthy of the gospel? One, behave in a manner worthy of Christ. Two, you will have enemies when in Christ. Three, you will suffer for Christ. In these few verses in chapter one, God is painting out a picture of how your life should look in the decisions that we make, in how we live, not just in front of people, but when you are alone in prison, we see that Paul, he urges his readers, the Philippian church, he's urging us as Christians to live a life worthy of the gospel. Does your life honor the life of the gospel? Does your life honor the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. You must look to Christ as an example in your suffering so that you may be counted worthy in his kingdom in your suffering. You must go through and you must endure suffering well for his glory. Remember this. You may not be going through suffering at this moment, but remember these words that suffering produces character. Don't forget don't forget that you must participate in the suffering of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Remember, suffering produces character. It produces perseverance, character, and character hope. 
And you have to consider a joy whenever you face trials of many kinds, the testing of your faith. You have to allow perseverance to finish His work. It has to finish so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Why? And I'm ending with this. I'm ending with this. 1 Peter 1, 6-7, it says, In all this, greatly rejoice, though now for a little while that you may have had to suffer grief, suffering in all kinds of trials. But don't forget, in verse 7, and this is the key, it says, These sufferings, these sufferings, he's talking to you. He's talking to you, Antonia. He's talking to you, Hiji. He's talking, these things have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, to prove the genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire. Angela, Sarah may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Is your life worthy of the gospel? Are you honoring the relationship of your Lord Jesus Christ? Or are we living, living selfishly? Living for my dreams? What I want for myself? Are we putting our family's interests first? I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you, men and women of God. Are you more concerned about your mom's opinions than God's convictions, than the Holy Spirit's truth? Are you more concerned, are you more afraid of your dad's discipline than the discipline of God? Do you not know that you have been adopted into the kingdom of God? Therefore, you should live a life worthy of the gospel. Who are you living for? What are you living for? Life can end any moment. Instantly, it could disappear any moment. Tonight, later, it doesn't matter. We are not here forever. We saw the tragedy with the nine passengers, with Kobe Bryant and his daughters, with his daughter. We see that at any moment, that no matter how much riches, or no matter how much fame or accomplishment we have accomplished in this life, that we cannot take a U-Haul truck with us with all of our accomplishments. The only thing that matters between you and God is the question, is your life worthy of the gospel? Or are you selfishly living for yourself, thinking that you will live forever, cheating people left and right, exploiting people who are weaker, in a sense, weaker than you when you are called to protect, taking advantage of the weak, lying, deceitful, breaking down, bringing division in the church. Are we truly living a life that honors our Lord Jesus Christ? Is your life worthy? Ask yourself that question right now in the whisper of your voice. Is my life worthy for the kingdom? Is my life worthy for the gospel? For the gospel, for the truth. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear by you in my absence, 
I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those enemies, opponents who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God, for it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Lord, help us to live a life worthy of the calling, to live a life worthy of the Lord. Let us behave in a manner worthy of Christ. Forgive us for living in shadiness, in darkness, and in lies, and in deceit. Lord, forgive us of our sins. For God, for thinking that we can trick you. For God, you see all things. You see, God, what is done in the secret. You see, God, the evil intent that's in our heart, oh God. But let us remember that we have a regenerated heart that is found in Christ. That each day we should strive and we are growing closer to your holiness, oh God. To love you more each day and to hate sin more today than I did yesterday. Let us remember that, God, that we will have enemies when in Christ. That it's normal for people to oppose. For God, if the world hated you, then they will hate your disciples. And we are your disciples. Lord, if Paul went through suffering, number three, if Paul went through suffering, you will suffer for Christ. If Paul went through suffering, if Job went through suffering, if every individual in the scripture went through suffering, then we should rejoice in our suffering. Let us rejoice and laugh in the face of persecutions and suffering. Even if I'm the only one at school worshiping and praying or reading the word, even before a meal, God, I will do so. Even if it means I have to stand alone when I'm in another country, even if it means I have to stand alone in my community, I will lift up my hands and worship you. If I'm the only one in my family seeking your face and desiring your presence more and more each day, even when my parents don't understand me, even when my siblings don't understand me, even when my friends don't understand me, even the church with the, that I go to, even if they don't understand me, God will lift up my hands in conviction, in the truth, in the light of the truth of the gospel, and I will worship you. In all of this, rejoice. Rejoice. Greatly rejoice. Even though for a little while you have had to suffer grief, suffering in all kinds of trials, they have come. Suffering ha has come. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is with you. Refine us fire, transform us today, sanctify us, renew us. 
Let our lives be worthy, be worthy of the gospel, Lord. We thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the time of praying. We look to you, Jesus, to be strengthened by you once again. Lord, strengthen us for not just for another week, but Lord, for the rest of our lives. That we will not just barely struggle and barely we're crawling, we'll barely survive. But Lord, let us be victorious in our walk. That when there are flaming arrows that are being attacked, that are being shot at, that are being shot at us, I pray, God, that we will learn, that we will know that they have no effect, no power over us, O oh God, for we are living victoriously in Christ. If we are down, we are only down for a little bit. We're only down for a little bit before we can get right back up because, God, it is you that strengthens us. So watch over this church. Watch over every individual who are here in this room who have heard the message. Let our lives be worthy of the gospel. We thank you. We love you. Pray all these things in your precious son. Jesus Christ, I pray. God's people pray. Amen. Amen.